Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Well, we wanted to, uh, to kick off this morning with, uh, with that video because sometimes I think that uh, we, we, we see and we hear certain accounts and certain stories, and, and sometimes it's difficult to, to see ourselves uh, in someone's story. And so I think uh, hopefully that, that, that video there uh, was, was just... Um, uh, stories of baptism from from a different perspective. Uh, some of you uh, can identify with with one of those people, maybe a couple of those people. But we wanted to make sure uh, that as we talk about this topic this morning, uh, that we can all see ourselves and and see um, someone who's taken that step of obedience. So I uh, want to uh, want to welcome you this morning. Uh, it's exciting to be together. Uh, exciting to uh, to watch. Uh, the band jump around and realize that I probably should have been a little more awake when I got here this morning. And so uh, I hope that, hope that you're, you're, you're feeling alive, you're feeling awake, uh, and you're knowing that you're, you're with God's people, you're with the church this morning, and we're excited to celebrate that. Uh, you don't have to jump around, you can just kind of sit there and smile, and that can be your way of celebrating. But uh, we're excited to, to be together. So um, as we get going, I want to I show you some pictures today, and uh, I, I'm going to be honest, these are not pictures that I would normally show people. Sure, that one looks good. We won't go to the next one yet, all right? But I, I want to, okay, they're, they're going to the next one, all right? So you know how there's, there's pictures that you take on your phone, and uh, in this digital age, it used to be every picture you took, you had to print. Now there's really no financial commitment. You can just take pictures, and, and sometimes you just take them as a form of child care, right? You're just like, whatever gets my kid to stop crying in Target or wherever it is, uh, or maybe, maybe you're just like, hey hey, let's take a picture. Sometimes your kids, you've trained them to be terrible Americans and they know what a phone is and they're like, let's take pictures. Let's take selfies, dad, right? So I was going through uh, my phone this week and, and I was looking at my photos and, and realized, I was like, man, we take a lot of selfies. And so I wanted to uh, just mock myself this morning. I'm hoping that some of you will later tell me that your phone or whatever device you use, your iPad, whatever, looks like this and you've got a lot of uh, pictures with, with your kids or with your nieces and nephews or with your parents or with your family or with your dog or someone that you like to take pictures with and someone that likes to take pictures with you, uh, I know what you're thinking. Mark, that's just the same picture over and over and over again. I know. That's why I don't normally show these pictures to people, right? But sometimes we just have this habit of, of taking the same picture and, and doing the same thing. Uh, but I, I want to I focus us on something today uh, as we look at those. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, it's just embarrassing, right? Those are those are some weird pictures. They're fun though. Uh, but I want you to know this, and I hope that maybe you already know this. Uh, I love everyone that's in those pictures. I love my kids. I love my family. I love my wife. And sometimes that evidences itself in taking weird uh, pictures like that, right? Uh, it, it would be it would be weird if I told you I I didn't love my kids. I didn't love my family, right? That'd be that'd be a little weirder. But but uh, one of the ways that you can know that when you you can tell when you love someone because you, you probably do things like that, right? You're, you're probably spending time hugging your kids, kissing your kids, complimenting your kids, telling you them that you love them, spending time with them. And uh, when, you, when you love someone, that stuff comes pretty natural, right? Like no one, no one had to say, hey, you should take a bunch of uh, embarrassing pictures that, uh, yeah, you should do this. This is what all the American moms and dads are doing. No, there's, there's, just, a, there's just a natural flow. When you, when you love someone, when you love your kids, you're tucking them in at night and you say, I love you. I'm so, so happy to be your dad, you give them a hug, you give them a kiss, you, right, you, you cuddle with them, that, that stuff just, just happens and just flows naturally out of life. And it would be weird if someone had to say, hey, uh, is that your kid over there? He's, 
is crying. Maybe you should go cheer him up and be like, oh yeah, that kid, yeah. Yeah, he's mine. He follows me around everywhere. He'll be fine. He'll be fine, right? It'd be, it'd be weird if I neglected my kids or, or didn't hug them, didn't kiss them, didn't compliment them, and, and, uh, and didn't really show any affection toward them. We don't, we don't have to tell people in this context, in the parenting context, in the family context, in the cute kid context, hey, let's try to, let's try to love this kid, right? No, we, we, we know that that just happens very natural because, because when you love someone, your, your life just kind of naturally shows that. And, and yet our, our religious lives don't always show exactly what we love because we've been raised in a country where we, we know that there's a separation of church and state and so we've learned to separate things really well and so sometimes we separate our, our work life and our faith life. Sometimes we separate our, our neighbor relationships and our, our church relationships, and sometimes we separate our friends and our, and our family and public displays of our faith because we don't want people to see the awkward, ooey-gooey stuff like that, and so we just kind of keep those things separate and keep those things to themselves. Well, this week, uh, you already know, you saw the video, you heard it mentioned, and we've talked about it. We're going to talk about this topic of baptism. And this is not a coincidence. As, as elders, as a leadership team, we sit down and we design some of the things that we're going to talk about on Sunday mornings and the, the flow of that. And this is coming on the heels of, a, of a, a series that we just called Quality Disciple, where we've been talking about different things. And some of the things we talked about, we talked about this topic of obedience. And we talked about this, this topic of evangelism or sharing our faith, representing our faith, taking our faith to the world. And this topic of baptism this morning is kind of the intersection of these two topics. As we talk about uh, baptism, it's a way that we can be obedient to what God is asking us to do. It's also a way that we can, we can tell the world about our faith. Not always easy, not always understood, but it's the intersection of those two things. And so we're talking about baptism. Now, that's, that's not really a, a normal word. Some words exist in, in modern culture, and some words you really only hear in the church. I doubt that last night you heard someone say, man, the Buckeyes baptized them, am I right? And then like gave their bro a high five, right? No one, no one uses the word baptized. So we do have to admit that, that while we think it's a great word, we think it's a word that exists in Scripture, it's not a word that just like frat guys are saying and is being commonly used and is making its, its way around meme culture culture and everybody's like, you got baptized, son, right? It's, it's just, it's not being said. And so I want to take a moment and hopefully even just explain what this mysterious, spiritual, churchy word and, and concept means and, and let you know that, that this is a word and this is a concept. This is something that we believe in, something that we think is important and something that we want to take a moment and just talk about. So this morning we're going to go over the who, what, where, how, when, why, and all of those fun things about baptism. And as we talk about this, the greater, deeper topic is obedience. And so what is baptism? Well, the word baptism, right? The, the root word is baptize. Baptismo, maybe if we want to get really fancy, right? But, but it really means to immerse. And so someone who is being baptized is being immersed in water. That means dunked completely under, right? Some of you have, have been very spiritual and immersed your siblings through the years as you were hanging out at a pool party, right? Uh, but, but baptize means to immerse, right? To be immersed in water. And the reason that someone is doing that uh, is because it shows totality and it shows identification, it, it shows that you're completely, totally identifying with Jesus. That's what baptism represents. The reason and the way that it represents that, well, think about this. When you threw your sibling into the pool when you were younger, 
right? It wasn't like that you were like, hey, I'm going to throw you in and we're just going to get your left side wet. It'll be funny, but it's okay because it'll, it'll keep this side, right? No, when you, when you go into water, when you go underwater, you are completely immersed, every part of you, every corner, every aspect of you. Pre-cell phones, yes, some of you in the room don't remember that life, I do. Uh, we, we used to have pool parties at my church that I grew up at, and every year we made a tradition that whenever parents would, would show up to pick up students in our youth group, we would just throw someone in. Like some mom would show up in like black jeans and a sweater, and she was going to get thrown in a pool whether she knew it or not, and we didn't care about that because we'd be like... Here's a towel, be on your way, you know? And it was like funny. Now when you throw someone in a pool, it's like a $1,200 mistake, right? Because they're like, I have the new iPhone, the full screen one, you ruined my life. I'm paying $31 a month for this or whatever. And you can't do that. And so that's one part that I hate about new culture with the phones. Um, other than that, they're great and they help me stay more connected to my mom and my, my grandparents and stuff. But, but you can't throw people in a pool anymore. But when you throw someone in a pool, right, they're getting completely immersed and they're, they're completely identifying with that water in that moment, right? And so, so when you're being baptized, you're saying, you know what, Jesus has every, every corner of my life. Jesus has every aspect of my life, every relationship in my life. He has my career. He has my family. He has my money. He has my, my influence. He has he has all of me. And you're saying that I am totally identifying with Jesus. Now, now, why would someone want to totally identify with Jesus? We, we talked about this very specific last week, and I want to review this, and I don't want to review this for the sake of us taking this for granted or thinking this is boring, but someone would want to identify with Jesus because they want to say, Jesus, you have all of me. Sean mentioned in that video he said that he, he found Jesus in a moment of despair. He found Jesus in a moment where he just felt like he had nothing else. Most of us have, have probably been in that moment. Maybe we haven't reached out and found Jesus yet, but we've been in that moment where we thought, I, I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to go. I have nothing left to, to look for, and I'm, I'm looking for something that will complete me. The reason that we're looking is because we were, we were created to know God. We were created to be in relationship with God, and, and the sin and the things that we have in our lives have taken us out of relationship with God. And so what we like to do is think that, that we know better than God. Just like Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden, they thought that their way was better than God's way. We think that our way is better than God's way, whether it's, it's the way that, that we, we view our finances, whether it's the way that we view relationships, whether it's the way that we just view that we're always right, we think that we know best, and that's called sin. And sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, but sin continues in you and I, and when we choose our way, it puts a, a gap, it puts a divide between us and God, and we've been taken out of relationship with God because God is perfect, God is holy, and we are not. And as we pursue our own way, as we pursue our own thoughts, as we pursue what we want, we get to the end of ourselves and we realize that that way is empty and that that way is not enough. But God didn't want us to be, to be left at these dead end roads and so God sent his one and only son, Jesus, and Jesus came to this earth not because he, he needed to or not because he deserved to come to this earth and be treated terrible. He came to this earth so that he could give his life for us. And so he came to this earth and he was without sin, he was sinless, he was perfect, and yet when he was accused of wrongdoing, he said, all right, I'll, I'll take the punishment for that. And he took the punishment for our sin and our junk and our wrongdoing and he went to the cross and he took the punishment for that and he was crucified. And he died and he defeated sin and death 
And he was raised from the dead three days later. And in doing that, he took the punishment. He took everything that we deserved and he opened up a path. He created a bridge of relationship for us to again know God our Father because that junk and that impurity and that stuff that kept us from God was taken out of our lives. And so why would someone want to identify with Jesus? Well, if they were at the end of themselves and they were saying, you know what, I've tried every other thing and I still feel empty. I still feel like I'm not enough. I still feel like I'm not there. I still feel like my life lacks purpose and I still feel empty inside. And Jesus is saying, I gave my life so that you could have purpose. I gave my life so that you could know my father. I gave my life so that you could live for eternity. I gave my life for you. And when we understand who Jesus is, when we understand that he gave his life for us, when we understand that our hope and our life and our belonging and our identity can be placed in him and found in him, we're willing to say, Jesus, I want to follow you with my life. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to identify with you. I want to know you. When a person makes a decision like that, we would call them a Christ follower. We would call them a Christian. When someone makes a decision to to follow Jesus, baptism is a logical next step. Now, you you might not believe me when I say that, but I want to tell you uh, some things here. Baptism is, is what we would call an ordinance. That's a fancy word that you won't remember, but I want you just to remember this, that it's a physical representation of a spiritual truth. It's an outward sign of an inward reality. And so when you get baptized, when you say, I identify with Jesus, I am found in Jesus, and I want the world to know that, you're showing the world what's going on in your heart. Just like all those terrible, terrible selfies that I never thought anyone would see, and this week I decided to show you all, right? In that moment, you can't look in my heart and say, that guy loves his kids. And, and yet in a weird way, hopefully, if someone's hugging their kids and kissing their kids and cuddling their kids and complimenting their kids, you could put two and two together and think, I think that guy might love his kids, right? It doesn't mean that everyone that hugs someone automatically loves them and would give their life for them, but there's probably a little correlation between the two, right? Baptism is the same way. Baptism doesn't save you. What saves you is saying, Jesus, I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. I want you to be my everything. Choosing to follow Jesus, that decision is what saves us. That decision is what gives us identity in him and that that decision is what gives us belonging. Baptism is the natural action that follows. Baptism is us living out our faith. Baptism is us saying, Lord, I wanna identify with you. I want this outward expression. I want my outward actions to show what's going on in my life and in my heart and I don't wanna hide that. I want the world to know that. So who, who can be baptized? Who can, who can make a decision like that? Well, anyone who's made a conscious decision to follow Jesus. And, and so there's some things that we like to talk about as a church, and this is not to belittle anyone's faith background or anything, but, but we believe, as I just said, that someone who makes a decision to trust Jesus and follow Jesus can be baptized. And you heard in that video that sometimes that happens at a pretty young age. I want you to know that, that there, there are some churches who, who, uh, who baptize people the, the minute they are born or, or soon thereafter, and, and they, they say that you're, you're good, you're going to be in heaven. As we look at scripture, as we examine scripture, as we look at the gospel and what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus and, and give him our lives, as we look at what it looks like to be baptized, I don't see a, a pattern in scripture that says when someone's a month old, they should be baptized. 
What you will see in scripture is a pattern of children being dedicated to the Lord. And so we do that regularly. You'll see us doing what we call child dedications or dedicating a family and saying, do you commit to raise your kid to know Jesus? And so sometimes well-intentioned parents that want to dedicate their children to the Lord, sometimes they, they may call it baptism. And again, like I said, I'm not trying to belittle anyone's faith background, but I think that that is not a, a baptism as much as it is a dedication. That's why we call it a dedication. So I'll talk to people regularly that'll say, oh yeah, I was baptized when I was born. And I, I've got to be honest, it hurts my heart because I, I look in scripture and I see that baptism is a decision for someone who has made a a decision to to follow Jesus, for someone who understands what it means to follow Jesus. So we we like to ask people when they want to be baptized, "When, when did you trust Jesus with your life? When did you trust Jesus as your savior? When did you commit your life to him? And can you, can you tell us that story? In fact, next week, we're going to have some people that are baptized, and, and we'll circle back with them and ask them that story. It's not, it's not to belittle them or anything like that. It's just to, to celebrate that story, because there's never a moment that I hear people taking spiritual steps of obedience. There's never a moment that I hear of people giving their life to Jesus that I'm not encouraged and that I don't feel like celebrating. And so we like to learn those stories as a way of celebrating, as a way of being excited of what Jesus is doing in people's lives. And so if, if you would say that you have made a profession of faith, if you would say that you've made a decision to trust Jesus, I would say that, that you're ready to be baptized. In fact, if we look at scripture, there are examples all through scripture of times that, that people are being baptized. And here's some verses I want to read to you. They're, they're kind of famous. Maybe you've heard them a lot, but this is Matthew 28, 19 and 20. You don't have to turn there. We'll go to another passage in just a moment. But these are some of the last words that Jesus said to us as he was leaving earth, as he was, as he was wrapping up his earthly ministry with the disciples and sending them out. He said this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, right? Sometimes we hear go being emphasized in that passage, but the the real thrust of that passage, Jesus is saying, go and make disciples. The same way that I've I've shown you disciples what it looks like to, to be anchored in me, to have your identity in me, the same way that I've shown you where to find hope and where to find belonging and where to find life, I want you to go and take the message of the gospel to the world. Go tell them that I gave my life for them. And in that same sentence, look at what is equated to being a disciple. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations right after that, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so Jesus himself says, go and make disciples, right? He doesn't say go and train people to come to church or go and train people to act like Christians. He wants them to be disciples who are following him, whose lives look like him. And then he equates to being a disciple and following him. He says, that means they're going to be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so he just gave a a commandment to his disciples. He just asked them to do something in his name out of obedience, which is ironic because then he tells them, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, which means he's saying, hey, don't forget to do these things I've said. And by the way, I just said one right before this, the line before this, right? And so we feel like we we would be messing up. We'd be dropping the ball. We'd be remiss as a church if we didn't say that baptism is one of the things that Jesus has commanded us to do. Baptism is the obedient response of a life given to Jesus. And sometimes as Americans, we like to separate our salvation and baptism. 
And as I look at this pattern in scripture, I see them happening and and kind of functioning hand in hand and much closer together than we often give them credit for, right? But as as Americans, we like to do the, the least amount possible. We like to do things that don't really need done. And so when someone tells us, hey, you know, you can retire at 25 years, we're like, so September 30th, right? I'll be done, I'll be done. Right? And we, we don't work one day past retirement. Someone, someone says that we have to do this much and we do this much and that's it. And so you'll hear people say all the time, do I have to be baptized to be saved? No, that's not what scripture says. Scripture says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Right? And so they'll say, all right, I got faith in Jesus. I'm good. And, yet, and we're trying to, to separate these two things. We're trying to say, what can I do to do just enough to get by? And the pattern that I see is Jesus is saying, if you are my disciple, if you are following me, be obedient to the things I've asked you to do. And this is one of them. I want you to be baptized. I want you to show that your, your life is immersed in me. And I want you to tell that to the world. So I want to invite you to, uh, to turn to a, a passage this morning. This is uh, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, maybe you've got a Bible, there's a Bible in front of you, behind you, somewhere there. Acts chapter 8, it's on page 837. Acts chapter 8, we want to go there and and talk about exactly what this, this can look like for us. When can a person be baptized? Right, because we've talked about the who, the what, the, the where, and, and, and all these different things. And so we want to turn to Acts chapter 8. Let me read verse 12, because this is as the gospel is spreading, the church is growing, the gospel is going around the world, people are making decisions for the first time to trust Jesus. There's these exciting moments where the church is growing, things are happening, and this is what's taking place. Acts chapter 8, verse 12, as a man named Philip is taking the gospel around, this is what we see on page 837. It says this, but now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, same message, that same gospel that we talked about, and it says this, as a result, many men and women were baptized. Now, there's not a a ton there, that's one verse, one line, but this is what we can see. I, I don't think at any point there it says, and then the religious people watched their lives for six months to make sure they were good enough to be baptized. It doesn't, it doesn't say that. It also doesn't say, and then they waited till their grandma could watch the Facebook Live of them being baptized and they made sure that it synced up with their social calendar and it was the right time. It just says that people understood that Jesus gave his life for them and they wanted to show that to the world and the way that they were going to show that to the world was baptism. Let's go on down to verse 26 of chapter 8. This is another story of Philip interacting with a guy, a man known as the Ethiopian eunuch. You can talk about that over lunch. If you don't know what a eunuch is, just Google that later, okay? We won't, we'll talk about that this morning. That's just a little bonus for some people that don't know what we're talking about. But this is what verse 26 says. It says, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, as he's traveling, as he's doing ministry, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandaki, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. That's a book in the Old Testament. And Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? 
And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. I love this passage because you're seeing a man who's, who's powerful. You're seeing a guy who's the treasurer for a queen. And, and back then, I'm not sure exactly how the ranking worked, but, but usually if you were a direct report to some royalty, you're a pretty important person. He might have been the number three, the number four person in his kingdom, in his country. He was a big deal. He had money. He had prestige. He was, he was important. And yet for some reason, he's, he's hanging out and he's searching. He's searching for something more spiritually. He's looking for answers to life. And God is working in his heart and working in his life and all of these things are kind of converging and coming together and this all has a a moment where Philip gets to explain to him the, the emptiness that you feel, the wrong things that you've done. Jesus gave his life like a sacrificial lamb so that we could know God the Father. Jesus gave his life so that you could have life and this man understands the gospel. He understands the good news. He understands it so much and he knows of this concept of baptism, probably like many of us do. We just, we know about it, right? It exists in culture. We've seen Christians do it. We've seen churches do it. We've seen, we know that it happened. It happened to some friends or cousins when we were younger. And we know of baptism. And he understands that baptism goes right hand in hand with being a Christ follower. And so as soon as he is a Christ follower, as soon as he understands the gospel, he's riding in his chariot and he says, there's some water. Can I be baptized? I mean, what is that? Two verses later? This guy's being baptized. Let's say maybe there was an hour of time there and that's probably being generous. As soon as Jesus had taken hold of his heart, that was a natural response to living out the love that he now felt and he now knew. Baptism was the natural, obedient response to his faith. So what does baptize, what does being baptized look like for us? Well, we baptize people here. I know that this is a YMCA and it's not the most glamorous thing in the world. We have a, we have a tank that we bring in and we make sure uh, that, that the water is tolerably warm when we get to celebrate baptism on a Sunday morning. Many of you have been here for this, but we'll have a time where we worship. We'll, we'll give people a moment to explain their story and just to celebrate what Jesus is doing in their life. And then we'll have those people get in this simple tank of water and we'll, we'll dunk them, we'll immerse them, and we'll say, in the same way that Jesus has all of your life, we want you to act that out and, and be immersed this morning. And so the way that, that we do that, we, we dip people three times, we dunk them three times because of that verse we looked at, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, where, where Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so we dunk people three times just to just to symbolically show that, that, that we've been given the Trinity, that our God is, is three persons in one. And, and as we look at this story of this Ethiopian man, we can see that, that there's no timetable on that. It's not like, oh, you've given your life to Jesus? Well, it's time to wait. Or you better hold on. I'm not sure if you're ready. You either know that your life is given to Jesus or you don't. There's not some spiritual scale where this person's a, a one and this person's a 2.8 and this person's a seven. You're either walking away from God or you've turned toward him and you've said, Jesus, I need you. 
I need you in my life. I need you in my heart. I need you to be my everything and I give you my everything. And the moment that someone has done that, that they've repented, that they've cried out to God, that they've turned toward God and they've said, Jesus, I need you. I think that that baptism is a beautiful, natural, obedient response to showing that you have faith in your heart and faith in your life. But there's so many ways that we, we think that that's not a natural thing to do and that's why we wanted to show that video today because some of us, we think like, well, I was kind of baptized when I was younger and I don't go to that same church anymore. I'm not sure if I have the same beliefs, but if I were to be baptized again, it would insult my family. It would insult that, that, that other time that I was baptism, baptized when I was, when I was one week old. I don't want to do that. I don't want to upset my mom. I have rarely seen someone's mom be upset when they're taking an obedient step in the gospel and taking an obedient step toward God. And yet that's an excuse that we make. Sometimes we think like, well, I don't know if my schedule will be there. I don't, I don't think I want to do that. Your schedule will work. I, I promise you that. And some people have, have said things like, well, you have to like wear swimming trunks or something. And I, my feet are kind of weird. I haven't had a pedicure in a while. And so I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want people to see that. And we're, we're laughing because these things are true, right? It's amazing all of the excuses that we make. We think like, well, I just had a baby. I, I'm gonna, I got to be working out a while before. I, I don't want to be in front of people. I'm not great in front of people. And, and Jesus, didn't, Jesus didn't say, hey, go and make disciples. Tell the world the gospel. And if it's convenient for those people or if they're feeling good enough or they're feeling up to it, tell them, yeah, if you want to listen to some of my commands, that'd be good too, right? No, he wasn't being this crazy dictator. He was saying, if I'm your life, then tell the world that I'm your life. Show the world that I'm your life. Be obedient to what I've done and let people see it. And so the reason that we're talking about this today is because next week we want to have a, we want to have a baptism party. And some of you were like, man, this is kind of last minute. And to that, I would say, yeah, you're right. We didn't want to give you an excuse to, to back out of this. We just simply wanted to show you that in scripture, When a person understands what it means to follow Jesus, that went hand in hand with being baptized. Being a disciple of Jesus went hand in hand with being baptized. And so we want to offer you an opportunity next week to respond in obedience and and be baptized. This is a next step of your faith. And we want to invite you to take this next step of baptism. Maybe, Maybe you were baptized at a younger age and you didn't understand that. Maybe you were baptized so young that you didn't even know it happened. Maybe for whatever reason you're realizing that's, that's something that I haven't done. I haven't identified publicly with Jesus and said, I want to be held accountable to this. Maybe you're a new follower of Jesus. Maybe you're what you would call an old follower of Jesus. But if you feel like this is something that God is calling you to do, something that God is asking you to do, a next step that would be a, a great next step of obedience, we want to offer this. Because we have, a, we have a value here in our DNA that we want to always see people take their next step in their, in their faith walk. We're not doing that because, because I get a salary bonus or, or because we get, to, we get to talk about that with other churches and say, we baptized 31, you only did 29. It is nothing like that, I, I promise we want to have a culture of obedience. And some of you have, have said, yeah, I've given my life to Jesus, but I feel like things have kind of stalled out or things are kind of stagnant or I haven't seen any progress or I don't feel that magic feeling I used to. And I want you to know that there's, there's something great about establishing a culture of obedience in your relationship with Jesus. 
There's always a next step, and I don't say that to freak you out, but I want you to know that, that when you give your life to Jesus, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, and he's always going to be illuminating things to you and, and saying things to you and asking you to do things. He might be asking you to, to share your faith with a coworker. He might be asking you to share your faith with one of your parents. He might be asking you to start a Bible study on your hall in your dorm, but he's going to be saying, hey, have you thought about doing this? And sometimes we just, we just don't listen to the Holy Spirit, Right? We just block him out and we say, yeah, I've thought about doing that. That would be terrifying. I'm not going to do that. Please stop saying that, Holy Spirit. I'll be over here watching some sports if you need me, right? But there's power in consistent steps of obedience. There's power in saying, Jesus, this is who I am and this is where I'm at right now and I'm giving you all of myself and I want to follow you and I want to be obedient. And I think for many people in this room, that step is baptism, I don't know how many people, but we want to have a foundation of obedience. We want to have a foundation where whatever our next step is, we're saying, Jesus, I know what you're asking me to do. I know what you're calling me to do. I'm walking toward you. I see you, and I want to be obedient with my life. I want to honor you. I want to identify with you. I want to be immersed in you. Here's who I am. Here's where I'm at. You have all of me. And so we've tried to make this as, as simple as possible as we can this week. We've got a, uh, a phone number that, uh, that we're gonna put up here. This is not how it was when I was growing up. I had to like walk up front and like put on a robe and tell someone I wanted to be baptized. And it was very scary as a young child, right? All you have to do is send a text message. So I hope that you, you appreciate that, right? But if you, would, if you would wanna have a conversation with someone and just say, hey, tell me more about baptism. Tell me about what that would look like. We're going to have baptisms be a part of our service next Sunday. As we worship, we're going to celebrate that. And if you want more information, if you want to talk to someone about that, if you think that is your next step, if you want to do this out of obedience, if you would say, I'm found in Jesus and I want the world to know that, I want my friends and family to know that, I hope that you'll, you'll text that number right now. I hope that you'll feel a comfort in doing that and you'll say, yes, this is my next step. I mentioned that, that this is a, a way that you can show your friends and family. That's probably one of my favorite things about baptism. If you were to go to work this week and say, excuse me, fellow cubicle dwellers, I would like to tell you how Jesus has changed my life. They would probably be like, sit down or fix the printer or something, right? They don't, they don't care about that. But, but it's amazing in American culture. If you say to people, hey, I'm, I'm being baptized and I, I just wanted to in, invite you. I thought maybe it'd be cool if you, if you could come. Uh, we'll go out to lunch afterwards, just a, just a fun time to hang out, but I'd be honored if you were there. Do you know most people will, will come and will, will accept that invite? When you invite people to your baptism, they're like, oh, you, you want me at your baptism? Yes, I'd love to be there, you know? Like your toughest friend is like, of course I'll come to your baptism. It's just one of those things that, that people love. And so here's what I love about baptism. Whether you should have told them 10 years ago or 10 weeks ago or 10 days ago or 10 hours ago, you have a chance to, to quickly say, here's who I was before Jesus. Here's how Jesus changed my life and I just want to tell that to the world. I want to be held accountable to that. And so everyone that you invite, everyone that's here to watch that, they're going to hear your story. They're going to hear how Jesus has changed your life. And so if you've been thinking like, hey, I need to share my faith with my entire family and friend circle, but I just don't know how to do that. Baptism is a really nice way to do that. Because when you invite people, they'll be, 
They'll feel really honored by that. They'll get a chance to come and you'll get a chance to tell them your story. And so if you wanna be baptized next week, if you wanna respond in obedience in that way, go ahead and text the word baptism to that number. We'll get back to you with, with more information and we'll, we'll tell you about the road ahead for that. I don't want it to be something that freaks you out. I promise we will make it comfortable for you. We will make it an event that, that is going to, uh, gonna be a great step of obedience for you. But I'm excited next week to celebrate that. Some of you in the room would say, yeah, I was baptized like 10 years ago, and I want you to to go back to what we talked about. Baptism is not just for the sake of baptism. Baptism is a step of obedience. And so what is God asking you to do in this season of life that you can do to be obedient to him? It might not be baptism. It might be something else. It might be stepping up in leadership and, and sharing your faith in a way that you've been putting off for a long time. But what is God asking you to do that you can respond with a foundation of obedience and continue to take steps of obedience? If that's baptism, we would love to hear from you. If that's something else, That's between you and God, but I'd love to see us take steps of obedience as a church. Let's pray together. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. God, thank you simply that he is an offering and that he is is good enough, Lord. He has taken the sin and, and wrongdoing and things out of our lives so that we can, we can live life, so that we can, we can experience life, so that we can experience hope and we can experience love and we can have a relationship with you as our God. Lord, I pray that today we will not make excuses. I pray that we will not put off taking spiritual steps. I pray that we won't be people who, who only wait when it fits our schedule and, and look to do things out of convenience. God, help us to be people who take steps of obedience as you speak to us, as you show us things, and as you ask us to take a next step. God, give us the courage to do that. Give us the strength to do that. And Lord, we want to just be completely immersed with you and and give you all of our lives in totality. Lord, we want to say that you are our everything. And so we pray that that today that's the, the state of our hearts. And Lord, we pray that next week that's where we're at as we worship you as individuals and as a church. So thanks for today. Thanks for sending your son. It's in your name I pray, amen.